Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, we thank you for your great grace that is ours in Christ Jesus, that is worthy of all acceptation, and you are worthy of all exaltation. You are worthy of our highest praise, our highest sacrifice, our highest devotion, our highest thoughts, our highest songs, our highest gifts. You're worthy of our lives. Lord, I thank you for these stories of over 300 Baptist missionaries through the IMB who have given their lives, who have paid what we might call the ultimate sacrifice on the fields. But even as David Livingston once said, I never made a sacrifice. And I know that that would be the testimony of so many missionaries throughout the years, even on the field today, even many that we know personally on the field today that are there because they love Christ and they love people. And so, Lord, I pray this Christmas season that you would give us a deeper love for Jesus. Give us a deeper love for one another. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a deeper love for the lost. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful that around the world there are many, in fact, billions who have never heard the name of Jesus. The people right in our communities and right in our own streets that do not know the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we exalt Christ in this place through your word, Lord, I pray that you would continue to resound in our hearts with a burden for the lost that would even go to the motivate our telling, our sharing the gospel and sharing our lives with the people who desperately need Christ. And so, Lord, do that work in our hearts and lives, we pray. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go and grab a Bible and open it to the book of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And as you're turning there, I want to say thank you to the choir. Excellent work today. I appreciate your not just work, but also rejoicing in King Jesus, glorifying Jesus with us today and leading us so well in that effort. You may not realize this, but Christmas for the church choir starts in about September. And uh, you may only listen to Christmas music for a week, but they listen to it for months. <laughs> and so they have put in a tremendous amount of effort uh, to sing for you today. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and reading through verse 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light 
The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man but of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because He existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at his Father's side. He has revealed him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace and truth that are ours in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now as we consider Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners, the first Noel. Lord, we thank you for all of these things and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we have been considering various different Christmas carols that we sing every single year. We've walked through Hark the Herald Angels Sing and learned about the background and the theology of that particular carol. We've talked about joy to the world. And we've also talked about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And what I want to do today is I want us to think about another carol. And this particular one, as you might have guessed from the screen, is the first Noel. Now, compared to some of the other carols that we have considered already, this particular carol does not have just an an overwhelming, intriguing story with it. In fact, we don't even know who wrote this particular carol. The background of this carol actually has its originations in France during the 15th century. So it's actually quite an old carol compared to some of the others that we might sing. It came from France and eventually was brought over into England in about the year 1823 by the wandering troubadours. That's not some kind of quartet that's from France. That's actually people who would walk around minstrels that would come and sing in their communities. And they brought this particular song to England. Now, what does the word Noel mean? The word Noel comes from a Latin word. It's a French word, but it comes from a Latin word that means birthday. Or it means the birth. Or it means, it came to mean Christmas. When it first was translated into English, they struggled with it at the beginning. And when they first translated into English, people would sing, Oh well, oh well, oh well, oh well. <laughs> And and that's good, but it just doesn't quite have the same ring. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Might not have made it into our hymnal (laughs) had they not 
just said, let's just keep the French. And let's sing Noel, Noel, the birthday of the king. This particular song was often sang at Christmas Eve celebrations in community in England in the early 1800s. Specifically, they would sing it as the community would gather in the courtyards of that community, and they would bring in something called the Yule Log. Now, you might think the Yule Log is something that you find on YouTube or something that you find on Netflix that has 24 hours of pictures of fireplaces and Christmas music. (laughs) But it actually comes from something deeper, a deeper tradition from England, where the community would gather together, they would have a particular large log that they would throw on the fireplace called the Yule Log for the community, set a massive fire for the community, and everyone would come together and sing Christmas carols. And one of the Christmas carols that they sang on the streets in that day was Noel. It was considered to be appropriate for the streets. It was considered to be appropriate for secular music, something that you might listen to on Spotify, something that you might listen to on the radio, but it was considered an inappropriate song to be singing in church. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? (laughs) It was considered to be a secular song, (laughs) not a song that would be appropriate for Sunday morning. Sing it in your community celebration, but not so much when the church gathers. My how things change over time. Today this song, rightly so because of the deep and rich theology that is in this particular carol, has made its way to our churches, to our hymnals, and to our tradition. And what I want to do is I want to consider its message together. If you, It'll be on the screen, but you can look at the hymn. It's on page, it's a hymn number 180 if you have a hymnal in front of you if you want to look at it. But what I want to do today is I want to just focus on the fourth verse the fourth verse of this particular hymn. And why don't we sing it together to remind ourselves of this verse. It goes like this. Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord who made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. Noel, 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 born in the King of Israel. Amen. What do we learn from that carol? First of all, pray for Jesus to bring unity. Pray for Jesus to bring unity. We just sang, let us all in one accord. It's not talking about a Honda. He's talking, (laughs) he's talking about unity. Lord, unify your church. Unify your people. 
Unify your church around Christ. Unify your church around love. Unify your church around truth. The New Testament talks a lot about unity. I could come with dozens of scriptures, dozens of times when the New Testament writers prayed for unity, when they talked about unity. Let me just give you a couple. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says this, Finally, brothers, so this is the last thing that he's going to write to the Corinthian church. So important, last words. Finally, finally, finally is this. Rejoice. How do you find that joy? Aim. Set your target like a laser beam. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. Oh, and there'll be a result. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You want to know the God and love of peace in your heart, in your soul, in your life? Seek reconciliation. Seek restoration. Seek unity. Seek peace with one another. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 21, that they, Jesus is praying right before he is arrested, that they all may be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world might believe that you have sent me. Now, we never seek for unity apart from right doctrine. Because we know that the book of 1 John says that the way that we know that we have eternal life is through three essential tasks. One task is that we have obedience. We want to obey the word of Christ. Second is we want to have the right doctrine. We want to believe the truth about Jesus Christ. But thirdly, essential for unity in doctrine and obedience is that we love one another. That we love one another. Do you know what love is? Love is this. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not just this like happy thing that you get at Christmas time. Love is this. It's dying to self so that others might live. Love is dying to self so that others might live. It's focusing on the other. One of the great challenges of our day is that unity is sometimes defined in our culture as uniformity. That's not the same thing. We will have differences. You'll have preferences. And that is how Satan is so attacking so many churches today is we have elevated preferences to the level of priorities, to the level of doctrine. And our preferences are often reinterpreted as irreconcilable differences, as so often is stated in the culture today. And so we live in a, we live in a nation of discord. We live in a 
season of discord in the world. We think about how our nation is during these times, and this era can be described as one of disunity across the country. Yes, even if we could hear our friends across the world, we would even say this is a time of discord that has descended upon the world. I've heard you talk about it, about your jobs. In your jobs, people disagree. In your neighborhood, people disagree. How many of you are already planning this Christmas week? Like when you gather with family, there are certain topics that we need to take off of the table. Anybody with me on that? (laughs) Because we know that those things we can talk about here because we know that that will bring up these difficulties, that will bring up these disunities. Not only do we see that in the world, we see it in the church. And we as a church are called to be different, a shining light in and among the nations in this politically charged, crazy environment that we engage in. We are to be a shining example to the nation. Johnny Erickson Tata once said the following. She said, believers are never told to become one. We are already one, and we're expected to act like it. She says, as one who is a quadriplegic, praising God from her wheelchair. One accord, we need to pray this for believers. We need to pray this for churches. We need to pray this for Christians in the United States and the world. And we need to pray this for our church this Christmas season. Number two, what do we learn from this hymn? Number two, worship Jesus for the first Noel. So we're called in this hymn to strive for unity. Second, we are called to worship Jesus because of the first Noel, because of the first birth, because of the first birthday of the king. Have you ever noticed how much worship there is in the Christmas story? The choir sang about it already today, over and over and over again. Everybody is responding to this birth through with worship. We think about how Mary worships God. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 and 47. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now when you magnify the Lord, you don't work like a microscope, you work like a telescope. The way the microscope works is it takes something really small and makes it bigger so that you can see it. What a telescope does is... Is, is take something that is ginormous already and brings it close so that you can know it. There's a big difference there, isn't there? When you magnify the Lord, you're not making God bigger. He's already awesome and big. You are seeing Him for the magnificent awesomeness that He is. Mary's soul worships God. The angels worship God. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The wise men worship God, bringing gifts to the newborn king. The shepherds worship God as well. Luke chapter 2, verse 20 says it like this. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What about you? If, If we could put your picture in the manger scene that we have over here in the baptistry. What would you be doing? The angels, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, all worshiping 
Jesus. Where does worship come in in your heart and life this Christmas? I think there's two great enemies of worship in our souls during this particular era in the life of the church and the life of our nation. And these two enemies are busyness and distraction. Busyness. We're all so busy. We've heard it said over and over and over again, all these things that we have. Man, my, my, my doorbell talks to my phone. That's going to save me time. <laughs> and all it means is I've got to answer the door when I'm not home. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't have one of those, but that's probably the reason, one of the reasons why. Ah. <laughs> uh. We have all of these things that are supposed to... I mean, why do I need to know that the, the office, that my clothes dryer turned off? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but apparently we need to know that now. <laughs> or the craziest one is, like, my grill talks... And I do have this. My grill talks to my phone, right? <laughs> and I'm kind of thankful for that. <laughs> but we have all of these things, but we're so busy that we don't have time for worship. And not only are we busy, but we're really distracted. And I think this is starting to become more than busyness in our age. I think we're distracted so much of the time because we have a constant barrage of information and the world vying for our attention. Listen, this is, this is important. Listen to this. If you, buy, if, you, if you download a free service on the Internet, it never was free in the first place. The product is you. Your attention span is what's being sold. And that company is selling your attention span to somebody else. It's never free. And we live in a culture that is steeped in distraction. So much so that people are spending 8, 10, 12, 15 hours staring at their screens. LED pixelated life. And I wonder if someday we're going to get to the end of life and wish we had spent our wonder not at LED pixelated ads that people were trying to sell us, but if we should have spent our wonder on the wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, Lord, rescue me from being wondered by a little screen when I can be wondered by the things that angels shout about. Oh, we're far too easily pleased. Let me encourage you this Christmas. Ask yourself, what are you wondering about? What causes you not like, what are you thinking about? What, what are you standing in awe of that has that that you just can't get enough of. Politics will never satisfy your soul. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Not unimportant. We do need to know what's going on, so don't, don't get me wrong about that. But it cannot satisfy your soul. Endless internet arguments cannot satisfy your soul. Buying stuff cannot satisfy your soul. Entertainment, news, 
24-7 news, what's going on, cannot satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Worship Jesus for the first Noah. And that brings us to the final point. Trust Jesus for a second Noah. If there's a first, there's a second. And third. And fourth. I'm not talking about birth of a Savior. There's only one of those. But he was born so a whole lot of people could be reborn. And my question for you is, have you trusted Jesus for a second Noel, for a second birth in your life. You were born, of course, you have a date that will be stamped on your tombstone someday. The day that you were born. You already know that day. And there's a day coming which you know, which you know not, you don't know about, but the Lord knows that all, of our, all of our days are written in His book before one of them comes to be as all of our pages laid out. I think that's one of the things that gives our missionaries so much confidence to go be, go be passionate for Jesus in dangerous lands because they know God knows. God's called me to this and I'm just as safe as I can be until the day He calls me home. And that's so true, isn't it? But we know what the first day is. God knows what the second day is and has there been? We know when your death date is. But I wonder, have you come to that point where you know new life in Jesus? Because this hymn that we just sang said this, Who hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. That's the reason for Christmas. First Timothy 1.15 says it like this, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. The purpose of Christmas is that Jesus Christ came into the world to do something. He came into the world to save sinners, to give you a second Noel, to give you a second birthday, to give you a birthday that will resound in your eternity because you know eternal life in Christ. In this Christmas hymn, it says that He has made heaven and earth and not Jesus is our creator. He is the one who made it all celebrated here in this passage that we read in 1 John. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through him and by him and for him. And the good news of the gospel is that the word from before the beginning became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas. But the story doesn't end at Christmas. It carries on. Jesus grew up. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled all of the law on our behalf in his obedience unto death. Jesus died on the cross fulfilling all of the sacrifices required by God for our sin, for our rebellion. He was lowered into a grave and three days later, the stone was rolled away. Jesus came back to life. He walked out of that grave and offers forgiveness full and free to anyone who would trust in him as Savior and Lord. Have you come to know this Savior? Do you know a second Noel in your life? The first Noel makes possible the second Noel by faith 
in Jesus Christ. So here's my encouragement for you based on this hymn, the first Noel. First of all, this Christmas, pray for and seek unity. Second, worship Jesus. Are you worshiping Christ? And have you made space in the distraction to focus on Jesus? And then finally, have you met Jesus? And have you had your own second Noel? Let's pray together. We'll have a moment of silence. And then let's respond to what the Spirit is saying. If you need to trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, I'll be right here in a moment. When we're singing, just come on forward and I'd love to pray with you. Or if you need to pray about anything, I'd love to help you. I'd love to pray with you about anything. Let's pray. We'll have a moment of silence and then we'll respond. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the gospel of Christmas. Lord, we thank you for the things that we've been reminded about with the, with the, what the choir has blessed us with today. Lord, we thank you for what is so worthy of missionaries giving their lives for. That is this gospel. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas that you would remind us of these truths. You would help us live, help us to live these truths out in our lives and strive for making much of Jesus in our lives. And so, Lord, we give you this time of response. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name.